thanking God for his faithfulness next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. It's time once again for Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor, a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Aurora. Today we head over to 1 Kings 8. If you'll recall, the temple has just been completed and now Solomon is dedicating it. We're about to look at his public prayer in which he thanks God and looks back on the faithfulness of the Lord. Not a bad thing for us to do from time to time. Wouldn't you agree? Here's Ed. Let's go through and look at the petitions. In verse 21, or excuse me, 31 and 32 is the first petition. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his head, and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. Now, I appreciate uh, John Corson from his commentary. He gives words to each of these sections. So I chose to not try to make up new words. I'm just going to use his. So this is a prayer about doubting. So if you're taking notes, this is a petition about doubting. If a man's accused of a crime and there wasn't any evidence, we wouldn't want to doubt God that he will be the judge. And isn't it injustice that really can cause us to doubt that God is just? Why are you letting him get away with it? It doesn't make sense, Lord. It doesn't make sense. You keep me on a short leash, man. You don't let me get away with anything. But this situation, and why you let, and you begin to doubt the Lord. You begin to doubt the Lord when there's injustice. And we can see this in our lives when we lack information about someone and are unsure. Only leaning on the Lord will help. I was talking about this a little bit in our staff meeting this morning with the church side of things. I was saying that as a, as a fellowship family, as believers in the Lord, you know, we need to give each other the benefit of the doubt when accusations come, especially with leaders. Did you know the Bible says to not receive an accusation against an elder except by two or three witnesses? So that you're hearing gossip or hearing somebody say something, don't be so quick to hear it and receive it without, well, there has to be a couple of independent witnesses that aren't friends and aren't buddies and haven't been talking about it. And before you believe it, you need to talk to the person that's being accused to make sure you get their side of the story. But one of, the ways, one of the ways that we can do that is by just praying that, God, we would give our brothers and sisters the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't mean that, that, we're, that they're not doing what they're doing, or it doesn't mean it's not true. It just doesn't mean we're quick to judge. It means we give time for the Lord to reveal what we don't see, and we don't doubt God when we find out something that's happening. We go, man, this isn't fair. This isn't just. And, and yet the Lord is just, and it's just we're dealing with doubt. And I, I've got a new phrase that I've been using. Maybe it'll be helpful for you, but I've got a new phrase when somebody is wanting to tell me some juicy tidbit or ask me a question that's kind of a, a temptation to get me into some gossip uh, in, at the level of my friendships and stuff. And you might want to use it. It's been very, very helpful. And somebody comes and says to me something like, hey, did you hear about so-and-so and what was happening over in that church or what's going on? And, and this phrase has been helping me a lot. I answer something like this. I wasn't there. 
So I don't know. You should probably go talk to them. What are you going to do about that? How are you going to answer that? I wasn't there. Why are you asking me? I wasn't there. And anything I do tell you is only something I heard. So why don't you just go to the source? I wasn't there. It's not my business. I know that uh, Shandell, overseeing the administrator of our school, she shared a phrase that she uses and it teaches and it helps the teachers with when they use it. And, and she uses a phrase like, that sounds like a good question for, and then you fill in the blank. <laughs> well, that's great. That sounds like a good question for so-and-so because I have no idea and I'm not getting involved. And if you're going to slander a fellow pastor, or you're going to slander one of the teachers, or you got, you know what? I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Why don't we call them up and we'll all just talk about it? Oh, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I'm not. Well, then, then you know what? You just got to do business with the Lord. When there's injustice and we begin to doubt the Lord, Solomon's saying, trust him in the areas of doubt. Notice the next one in, in verse 33. He prays, when your people Israel are defeated, so you already know the word there, defeat. When your people Israel are defeated before an enemy because they've sinned against you, and when they turn back to you and confess your name and pray and make supplication to you in this temple, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land which you gave to their fathers. So if the nation was defeated in battle because of their own sin, only God can bring them back. Only God could lift them up. Only the God of the second chance can restore them. And we can see that in our lives, that God is our victor in our defeat. That, that he gives second chances. Though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again, even if it is our own sin. Even if it is our own fault. But what happens when we see a person fall and it is their sin, there's a sense in us, if we're not careful in the flesh, that we'll sort of think, well, you know, they deserved it. They got what they, was coming to them. You know, they were a pastor. They shouldn't have been involved in that. Or what did that guy, why did he commit the adultery? And look at all the pain that he caused. No, no, no. In defeat, Solomon prays, bring him back. Bring him back, Lord. Only you can bring him back. And isn't it true for you and me? Well, man, only the Lord can get us up. We can't get up in our own strength. The reason we fell because we were in our own strength. The reason we stumbled and fell on our face be because our own sin. And so in areas of doubt and defeat, notice verse 25, or excuse me, 35. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they've sinned against you and they pray toward this place and confess your name and turn their sin because turn from their sin because you afflict them, then hear in heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel, that you may teach them the good way in which they should walk and give rain on your land which you have given to your people as an inheritance. The third word is drought. When there's a drought of judgment, a judgment of drought upon your people because of their sin, and they come to worship you and confess their sins, what he's speaking of in the dedication and the prayer of the temple is when they come to temple with their offerings, the way that we will look at that, at that today is that when, when, you, when, when your people are failing, Lord, and they turn their hearts back to you, or they find themselves in church and they're wanting to seek you again, hear their prayers and, re, and, and bring rain again. Rain down on them. Water them. Take care of them in times of drought. Not only that, verse 37, when there's a famine in the land or pestilence or blight or mildew, Locusts or grasshoppers, when their enemy besieges them in the land and their cities, whatever plague, whatever sicknesses there is, whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people, Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart. Wow, you might want to mark that if you like to write in your Bibles. 
That's what happens when you begin to pray about these huge things and what's going on. You, you could say there's a, you're not happy with the condition of our country or you're not happy with the direction of politics and you're not happy with what's happened to our, your country, this country, or you're from another country. It doesn't matter, but we're in this country and you're not happy with the things going on in your country and you're praying for the plague of the country. You're praying for, well, while you're praying, guess what God's going to do? He's going to show you the plague in your own heart. You go, no, 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 Lord, I was praying about the country. No, 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 no. I was praying about the leaders, and, 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 and here Solomon's going, no, he knows. When they come, it's, it's about the plague in our own hearts. And even when that's revealed, he says, even when that's revealed, then hear verse 39. Hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act to give everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you only you know the hearts of all the sons of men, that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. Notice the fourth one in verse 41. Not just doubt, defeat, drought, destruction. The next one is an interesting word. Uh, he uses the word denunciation, uh, but notice, moreover, I think he was just looking for D words. I can't think of another one to replace it. Moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, but has come from a far country for your name's sake, for they will hear of your great name and your strong hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays toward this temple. Hear in heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as your people Israel, as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple which I have built has been called by your name. Now, if you want to read ahead, and I encourage you to do that, by the time we get to chapter 10, Solomon receives a visitor, the queen of Sheba, from a very far place, that this prayer is already being answered as the fame and, and the, the, the wonder of God's presence in his nation is all over. I was doing devotions. I know, ladies, you guys are studying Joshua right now in your Bible study, your women's Bible study, and I'm doing Joshua in my devos. And I was reminded uh, yesterday, I believe it was yesterday and, and covering today, how the fame and the power of God and the victory of God had preceded them into Jericho. Because when they met Rahab, Rahab said, I heard about you guys. We all know all about you. We've heard it, and we've seen it, and we're fearful. You guys, and, and what she didn't say, but from our Bible study, we could say, you guys spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness, and you really didn't need to. <laughs> you were afraid of us, but I'll tell you what, we're afraid of your God. And we know we had, it's almost like Rahab was saying, we have more faith in your God than your gen previous generation did, which is always a rebuke. You know, be rebuked by the enemies, you know, be rebuked by unbelievers. Uh, be rebuked by people that are trusting God more than we're trusting God is always embarrassing. It's, it's always humbling. But here, as others come and worship the one true God, as fame, as the Queen of Sheba will come in just a couple chapters, and they're going to, she came to test Solomon. She heard about it, and then she came to test him. Lord, when they come from all backgrounds, you know, this is really a prayer for the Gentiles. This isn't a, a, a salvation exclusive to the Jews. Even Solomon gets it. When a foreigner comes, when a foreigner comes and they pray to you at this temple and they cry out to you, hear them. Because God is working among people from all backgrounds, skin colors, languages, tribes, receiving anyone who will come to him now through his son Jesus. Notice verse 44. 
when your people go out to battle against their enemy, wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city which you have chosen and toward the temple which I have built for your name, then hear in heaven their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. The word here is deployment. Deployment. If a nation was to go and to be deployed into battle, God would truly fight for them. Would you fight for them? God, stand in the gap for them. We're in a battle. We're in a battle, church. And the Lord will fight for you. God will be your defender. God is our defender. Trust him. Be careful not to take things into your own hands. Those of you who have been with us for a while, you remember way back in 1 Samuel, the banner over 1 Samuel for all of us was watching David not take things into his own hand. Now, he did a few times. You know, so he came close to messing it all up, but God was so gracious. He came close to messing and then God was so gracious. But there were some opportunities where, man, with one decision, he could have just blown it all. And he backed off, and he trusted in the Lord, especially when it came to the conflict with King Saul. Remember when King Saul was in the cave relieving himself? David was told, go in there and get him, man. Here's your chance. He'll never see you coming. And David was such a a man of reverence and awe toward God and toward the man that God put in leadership over him that he went in and just cut a part of the the hem of his garment and then came back out and yelled out to Saul, I just want you to know, Saul, I could have taken you out, but I respect you as the man of God. Even though he wasn't acting like a man of God, I trust the leaders that God has put in my life, David says. And... We don't want to take things. If God's going to deploy us into battle, which he has, then, when we, then what he's looking for is, and, and remember each segment of this, each segment is when this happens and they pray, hear them. When this happens and they pray, hear them. When this happens and they pray, hear them. And you see how much is lost in our lives because of our prayerlessness. How, how much... How long we anguish in a battle when God is ready to answer our prayers. That's where Saul, this is so early in the nation of Israel, they, they really haven't experienced anything yet, for the most part. I mean, they battled in Josh, with Joshua, and, and yet the whole lives, it's covering their whole lives. And then notice verse 46, when they sin against you, for there's no one who doesn't sin. You might want to mark that as well. None of us are sinless, no, not one. There is, they, they got that in the old covenant, let alone the new covenant. And there's, you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy. Whoa, whoa, And they take them captive to the land of the enemy far or near. That's prophetic, isn't it? That's a prophetic, that's a prophecy of what's still yet to come. He says, when that happens, yet when they come to themselves in the land when they're carried captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of those who took them captive saying, we have sinned and done wrong. We have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of the enemies who led them away captive, and they pray to you toward their land which you gave to their fathers, the city which you've chosen, the temple which I built for your name, then here in heaven, your dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication and maintain their cause. Forgive your people who have sinned against you in all the transgressions which they have transgressed against you, and grant them compassion before those who took them captive, that they may have compassion on them, for they are your people and your inheritance, whom you brought out of Egypt, out of the iron furnace, that your eyes may be opened to the supplication of your servant, the supplication of your people, 
Israel to listen to them whenever they call to you, for you separated them from among all the peoples of the earth to be your inheritance as you spoke by the hand of your servant Moses when you brought your fathers out of Egypt, O Lord God. He says, now the final D word is defection. When people defect from you, when they backslide, and they finally come to their senses and come back, hear their prayers, Lord. If a nation turns from the truth and they repent, hear them, Lord. As we stray and stumble, it's only the Lord that can bring us back. And so Solomon, it says in verse 54, when he had finished praying all this prayer and supplication to the Lord, that he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven, and he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord God who has given rest to his people Israel according to all that he promised. There has not failed one word of his good promise which he promised through his servant Moses. What confidence. Not one thing has failed. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us or forsake us. That he may incline our hearts to himself, verse 58, to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments which he commanded our fathers. And may these words of mine with which I made supplication before the Lord be near the Lord God day and night that he may maintain the cause of his people and the cause of his people Israel or the cause of his servant and his people Israel as each day may require. We've seen that phrase, uh, maintain his cause. The idea is to keep him straight, keep him on the straight and narrow. And another way of looking at it is maintain his justice. Like watch his back, Lord. May you watch him and sustain him, keep him upright. Let your heart, therefore, verse 61, be loyal to the Lord your God to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as it is this day. Then, verse 62, the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. What a joyous time this is. Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord, 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. Quite the offering. And so the king and the children of Israel dedicated the house of the Lord. And on the same day, the king consecrated the middle of the court that was in the front of the house of the Lord. For there he offered the peace offerings because the bronze altar was before the Lord, was too small to receive all the burnt offerings and the grain offerings and the fat of the peace offerings. And at that time, Solomon held a feast and all Israel with him, a great congregation from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt before the Lord our God, seven days and seven more days, 14 days. And on the eighth day, he sent the people away and they blessed the king and went to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had done for his servant David and for his Israel, his people. And may I just pray that into your life as we close today, that we might follow this verse, that we would go home to our tents. Now, of course, we're not living in tents, but in a very real way, our houses, our apartments, our condos, they are just tents, aren't they? It's just temporary. We're not taking our houses into heaven. We're not taking the couch with us or our favorite pillow. Uh, it's not so permanent as we think it is. It's not so permanent. We're going to go home to our tents, go home to our houses, go home to our condos, go home to the room that we're renting in our friend's house, go home to the place that we're sharing, and we're going to go home joyful. Why? Because of the goodness of God. And it's not about where we are in life. It's about where God is with us where we are in life. If we insert God into the situation... Then we leave joyful, so excited, glad of heart for all the goodness that the Lord had done for his servant David. May I just remind you today, I can't tell you in particular 
But I can tell you this, that there's a lot of goodness that the Lord has done in your life. And that you would just rejoice. Why don't you take a moment right now in this middle of our Bible study right now, because I have one more point to make before. And let's just take a moment. You can scream, yell, clap, whatever you want to do. But let's just rejoice right now and obey the Lord. And let's just obey the Lord right now and rejoice in all the goodness. Maybe say something. Say something that the Lord is grateful, what God is doing in your life. You guys on the radio, you can scream in your car. Nobody knows. You guys watching on the internet, all the goodness. That's what he's saying here. The temple's dedicated. The Ark of the Covenant's there. The Lord's going to meet us. God is enthroned in his people. And, and we're leaving here. We're leaving here with all that we came in with, but with a concept of the goodness of God. He's a good God. We're living in a bad world, but we have a good God, and he's faithful to us. And so they leave here. Now, 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 you're happy and smiling, and I've got a hard thing to share with you, okay? So, are you ready? Here's your part. Turn over to Ephesians. This is my part. Let's match our excitement, and let's match just thinking of something good. I know it's hard. I can, I can relate to you in some way of hard things day after day. I can relate in some way. Maybe not exactly, but I can relate. You guys listening in on, on the radio, go to Ephesians 4. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, that with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Because there's one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. If you can picture the people leaving the temple, excited, joyful, going to their tents, just so enamored by the goodness of God. And we too, in a few moments, are going to head out. Some of you are going to go to work. Some of you are going to go home. Some of you are going to go work out. You've got a lot of things going on that you're going to do. You're going to head out, but you're going to head out joyful. You're going to end up home at one time. It's not just joyful in the goodness of God, church. But the Lord's saying, listen, you guys that are taking extra time on a Wednesday night, you guys that are sacrificing sleep, and maybe even your kids are going to be a little cranky in the morning, but you've made a commitment. I, I'll deal with the crankiness. I want, them to, I, want, I want my kids to seek the Lord. I want them to see what a pattern is in the midweek. I want, I want, to, I want to just show them in the world where you can just throw, to, throw your time into anything. You can watch four-hour movies, and you go to midnight showings. I just want to show my kids. I want to show my family. As for me and my house, I'll serve the Lord. I'll go to a movie when I go to a movie, but when the saints gather, I'm going to go gather with the saints. And so you're going to leave. You're going to leave this investment that you've made on a midweek. And you're going to leave just so thinking right now God put a thought of a good thing that he's done or a faithfulness that he's shown. You've got to understand, the Holy Spirit's begging us to live our lives according to the calling of God in our lives. We've been looking at the Old Testament book of First Kings here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. And if you missed any portion, you can simply go online to calvaryaurora.org or request the CD for just $2 by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, that's 
304-7223. Another convenient way to get these daily studies is by signing up to receive the free Abounding Grace podcast. Load the messages onto your mobile device and listen at the gym, in the car, wherever you go. Just go to calvaryaurora.org or look for Abounding Grace Radio in iTunes. Maybe you've noticed God has always been interested in turning unlikely people into a faithful follower, from prostitutes to tax collectors and even normal everyday fishermen. In the book, Jesus Revolution, Pastor Greg Laurie and Ellen Vaughn recall a time when there was a great spiritual awakening. God transformed an unlikely generation. And Pastor Greg and Ellen believe God can do it again. We'd like to send you a copy of Jesus Revolution for your gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace today. Call 877-30-GRACE or make a secure donation online at calvaryaurora.org. If you'd rather write, our address is Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. We'll return to First Kings next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel Aurora.